If you haven't been here or been with us yet, this is our sign series, and we're actually ready for our fifth sign. And if, if you recall, the first sign, the first miracle that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John was the water into wine at the wedding. And then the royal official's son that he healed remotely from a distance. And we know something about a distance right now since we're socially distancing ourselves from each other at this point. The third, the third healing was, or, or miracle or sign was, the lame man at the pool of Bethsaida, the house of mercy. The fourth sign was last week that Jesus turned the five barley loaves and the two fish to, to be able to feed a multitude of over 5,000, perhaps even 10, 15, 20,000 people. Now this week we're going to look at a a sign within a sign in John chapter 6, which when Jesus walked on water. And there's some, some very fascinating, very interesting things that, that Jesus does in this sign, in this gospel, that are, that are solely in this passage of Scripture. But my question is, have you ever experienced a perfect storm in your life? Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's economically, maybe it's financially, maybe it's the coronavirus, maybe you've been laid off from work, maybe you've had to work remotely and you're keeping yourself isolated and, and it's indefinite. We've never experienced anything like that before. And, and I've got to ask, you know, what are some of your fears What's going on? Do you have some fears? All of us do. And anxieties. We are in an anxious culture as well as concerns. What are your concerns? What's, what's going on? What, are you concerned about paying bills, taking care of your kids? Are your parents going to get the virus? What's going on? Or are you just tired of hearing about all of it and you just like to have some good news? And I think I've got some good news for you from the Word of God today. So let's begin in John chapter 6, verse 15. This is what Jesus is doing. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now this was kind of a, hey, you can feed us. You can take care of us. In a time of food insecurity, which... Actually, we're experiencing right now. Last night, I saw pictures of grocery stores with empty shelves like I've never seen before. And, and, and at that time, it was basically going to be, Jesus, be our king. We're going to force you to be a political, powerful presence. But Jesus wasn't coming to be a political king. He was coming to be our spiritual king. But notice what he does. Notice what Jesus says. In this passage, he goes to the mountain. Why did he go to the mountain? Now, if you look at related passages, and, and like the miracle that we talked about, or the sign we talked about last week, the feeding of the 5,000, that was in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This sign is in three of the Gospels. 
But we know from the other two Gospels that he went to the mountain to pray, to have some time alone, to isolate himself so it could be just a personal relationship between Jesus and his Father God, to spend some time, maybe in recovery. I don't know if you ever feel spent or stressed out or like you just need a nap or a break and you have to build that in to de-stress from distress, Jesus was probably experiencing a time like that. Even though he was the Son of God, he was fully in the flesh. Now let's look at verses 16 and 17 of this passage. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Now in the other Gospels, it says they were compelled or constrained by Jesus to go ahead because he wanted some time by himself with God. So they got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now, John kind of forecasts what's going to happen as he retells this story that he experienced. In verse 18, he continues and he says, The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. Now, the Sea of Galilee is about 600 feet below sea level. With the right conditions, warm fronts, cold fronts, when they meet on the Sea of Galilee, that sea can change in a heartbeat in a second. And here are these guys, you know, the wind blows in from the west, and they are heading east, and they are rowing their boat against the wind in a rough sea situation. Now, I've been on the water just before a tropical storm or a hurricane had come in on the ocean, and it's super, super choppy. And I was in about a 30-foot boat, and the waves were just too much. I was on a cruise, and, and the waves on a cruise in the ocean were going up and down at least 15 to 20 feet. Now, our cruise ship was pretty a pretty smooth ride, but it still was rocking. So I can't imagine 12 guys in a small craft, in rough waves. Waves can hit at any time. A storm may blow in at any time. What kind of waves are hitting you now? What kind of storms are you experiencing that you're concerned about? The story continues in verse 19. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Do you have anything, anything in your life that frightens you? Now just imagine being three to four miles out on the Sea of Galilee, which is about five to six miles wide, at the point that they were where they were going from where they were to Capernaum, approximately five to six miles. They were about three quarters of the way across. They were rowing against the wind, and lo and behold, they see Jesus walking on the water. And they're not even sure it was him. In in other in other gospel recounts, in they they say 
that they thought it was a spirit or perhaps a ghost. They didn't know what it was. Now, folks, we know the story. We've heard it over and over again. But imagine putting yourself there for the first time. Or, or maybe we're out in a small craft out on the ocean today or in a cruise ship. And I love to look out over, through glass or even at the rail of a cruise ship out at the ocean and how beautiful it is in the Caribbean. But I can't imagine ever seeing a human being walking on the water. Never saw that before. And so I imagine that would frighten me. And I, and I also, I just kind of think about, do you think Jesus' feet were getting wet? Do you think his sandals were getting wet? What, were they splashing along, or, or was he just kind of walking along the water? But you know how he comforts them? He, he, he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So a couple things going on here. Jesus walking on the water, and then boom, they're right on land. They don't have to row any further. You see, Jesus' presence made all the difference in the world in that moment. He doesn't say, hey, it's me. Hey, you're going to be okay. Hey, I know you've never seen anybody walking on the water before. All he says is, it's, it is I. Don't be afraid. In our lives, Jesus makes all the difference. His presence, his comfort, his peace. I was reading a book called Leadership from John Maxwell. And he says the presence of the leader, the character, the integrity of the leader makes all the difference in the world. Jesus made all the difference on that, on, on that day on the Sea of Galilee and makes all the difference in this day, in this environment, all the time. Now, verse 22, it says, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. So here's some evidence that makes, makes the question of, well, how did Jesus get there? And other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord and given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. These folks that had eaten the bread were seeking Jesus. Now, through this time of uncertainty, through this time where we don't know how indefinite things are going to be, when we're taken out of our ordinary routines, when everything is canceled, are we seeking Jesus? And then as we conclude this recount of Jesus walking on water, there's something evident here that we've got to ask is, why does John leave the story of Peter walking on the water out? Remember in the other Gospels, Peter says, hey, if it's you, Lord, ask me to get out of the boat. 
which I always thought if it wasn't Jesus and and Peter, Peter, Peter got out of the boat because this spirit or whatever invited him out of the boat. Peter would have definitely sunk out in the water one or two miles away and would have had to either swim to the boat or swim to shore. I didn't think it was the brightest thing that Peter could ever do. And then then we know the story where Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. He walks a few steps on the water, takes his eyes off Jesus, and then he sinks. And I think that's an important part. But John, I believe, leaves this out. And I don't know really why, but I think he leaves it out because it wasn't about Peter walking on the water. It was about Jesus walking on the water and that Jesus was the Son of God. And only he had the ability to do that. Now, Peter did it, and and I applaud him for his courage. And we need to be faithful and keep our eyes on Jesus, but realize that Jesus is the only one that really walks on water, that, that shows us a sign that points us to believe in him. So I have a few, I have a principle for you this morning, and it's simply this. Jesus is aware of our needs, our condition, what is going on in our world, and he still comes to us in our distress. We can be assured that the waves will not overtake us and and that he is for us and aware and involved in our lives. Jesus is aware of our needs. He comes to us in our distress, and he meets us there. And, And here's a couple applications through this time. If you don't already have a quiet place, establish a quiet place to be with Jesus. Go to the mountain so that he can restore your soul and help you cope with the burdens of life. Especially in extraordinary times, in unpredictable, uncertain times like we're in now. And the other thing that I do daily that has become a habit for me is to journal daily. I've been journaling through this coronavirus, and it helps me set priorities. It, it, it's a prayer time with God. It, it helps me think through mindfully what is going on, prayerfully considering what, how this is impacting me and others and guiding my prayer time and prioritizing what is really, really important. So if you need some help, write it out. And, and do this daily. I know it's kind of hard. I just consider my journal time, my prayer time with God. Pray, pray for those. Help those around you. Check on the elderly and on your neighbors via phone, keeping safe social distance. And then the final question for, for my sermon this morning is this. Are you fearful or are you faithful? And, and to make that choice of one or the other, there are going to be times when we're all fearful. There's going to be times when we're all faithful. But a lot of times we're in between. I'm fearful and I'm faithful. And recognizing those fears and, and taking the time to go to the mountain and to journal, I believe, trusting in the Lord because he's in control will make the difference. Thank you for joining us. This morning, I pray a blessing upon you, God's favor for health and wellness and goodness, and hopefully we'll see you again next week. Thanks a bunch.